This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. There's a huge misconception when it comes to taking vitamin D that we don't need it during the warmer months because we're in the sun more. But the issue is most of us are actually deficient in vitamin D to start. Welcome to The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Busson, and we're here to talk about your health and wellness. Today, we'll learn how to boost your immunity naturally. We'll talk about non-meat barbecuing. We'll find out how to give your adrenal glands a break. And lastly, we'll discuss the connection between depression and sex. But first, a little bit of business. Looking for natural supplements to boost your immunity? New Roots Herbal can help. Whether it's rebuilding your immunity after an illness or simply maintaining a healthy immune system year-round, New Roots Herbal is here for you with a wide range of proven formulations. Discover Protector, Astralgus 8000, UltraZinc, and their best-selling vitamin C8. If you're looking to build your immunity from within, look no further than New Roots Herbal, available exclusively at your local health food store. To ensure these products are right for you, always read and follow the label. Andrea Donsky, RHN, is a registered holistic nutritionist with 20 years experience in natural health and wellness. She's the co-founder and editor-in-chief of NaturallySavvy.com and a regular contributor to Tonic Magazine. Welcome back to the show. How are you? Thanks, Jamie. Thanks for having me. I am great. How are you? I'm doing really well. You know, the light at the end of the tunnel maybe isn't the end of COVID, but maybe it's like better weather so we can get out and and, and do stuff. (laughs) So like it's getting warmer and it's getting nicer. Yippee-ki-yay. But we still have to consider and keep up our regimen when it comes to immunity, right? A hundred percent. So first of all, I love that you're making that point because it's a great one. We don't want to just stop supporting our immune system just because it's warmer outside. Right. We want to make sure that we're supporting it all year round with good nutrition. I'm a nutritionist. Of course, I'm going to have to say that. Yeah, of course. Exercise, making sure now, you know, as the weather gets nicer, going into the forest, going in, you know, if there's any nature around you to stimulate our parasympathetic nervous system. Right. That's really important. We know that it has an incredible effect on our immune system. Laughing, watching funny music, watching funny movies listening to, you know, anything on podcasts that are funny, getting that immune system stimulated just from laughter, fresh air, like I said, in forest and as well as supplements. So that to me is really crucial that we do it all the time. Now, if you're asking specifically about supplements, you know, a good place to start is with vitamin D. And the reason I mention it is because you said nicer weather, right? Yep, so we yep. associate vitamin D with the sun and for good reason, because it's also known as the sunshine vitamin. So there's a huge misconception when it comes to taking vitamin D that we don't need it during the warmer months because we're in the sun more. But the issue is most of us are actually deficient in vitamin D to start. Plus, we wear sunscreen. And when we're outside, we're in the shade, right? We're not sitting in the, in the bright sun and that we're not outside during peak hours. So that's really important that we continue to take our vitamin D throughout the year. And also, an interesting fact that I learned is that the older we get, the harder it is for our bodies to produce vitamin D from the sun. So, for example... Someone who's in their 70s makes about a quarter of the vitamin D that a 20-year-old makes with the same sun exposure. Isn't that interesting? That is. So where do you fall like with, with some of what's going on with vitamin D? Like, What do the statistics tell you is going on with vitamin D in our skin? The stats are interesting. So about 32% of Canadians have insufficient levels of vitamin D. Wow. 
85% of people who take vitamin D supplements have sufficient levels. And I'm going to get back to that in a minute, what that means, mm-hmm. compared to 59% of those who don't take a vitamin D supplement. Right. So the key is we don't want to have sufficient levels, right? We want to have optimal levels. So there's the difference between sufficient and optimal. When our levels are optimal, our health is optimal as well. We're able to get our healthy, we're able to be in a more healthy zone. So that optimal level is between 100 and 150 nanomoles per liter. And according to the Vitamin D Council, 93% of Canadians don't meet this level at any time of the year. So that's why I'm a big supporter of taking vitamin D on a regular basis all year round. And vitamin D is an inexpensive supplement, right? Like it, 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 it's yeah. low-hanging fruit. It, it's benign. You know, you can take a lot of it and it's still inexpensive. And even if you, quote unquote, took too much, nothing much is going to happen to you. So if, like for all those reasons, vitamin D is definitely one that you should take. It's, it's the gateway vitamin. <laughs> well, you know what's interesting is that if you go in the sun for 15 minutes, you're actually going to make 20 to 30,000 IUs of vitamin D. Oh, wow. Like, your body makes it, right, if we're on the younger side. So yeah, like it's a, it's a really good point that you're making. And again, back to the point though, a lot of us aren't in the sun and we're wearing sunscreen and we're in the shade. So we're, our bodies aren't making it enough of it or if any at all. So that's why it's important that we take a vitamin D supplement. I wanted to ask you a more specific question about one of those stats. You said that there's even a percentage of people who are taking vitamin D that don't have sufficient levels. So is it that they're not taking enough? Is, is that what you read into it? No, no. So 85% of people who take vitamin D supplements have sufficient levels. So basically, it could be, to answer your question, it could be that they're not taking enough of it. So I'll give you a great example. This is like one of my favorite examples, and it just happened recently. So my sister was taking 1,000 IUs of vitamin D a day. Yep. Because I told her, I'm like, you have to get your vitamin, you have to take vitamin D, it's not even an option. And she was going to the doctor a couple weeks ago, and I said, please do me a favor, get your vitamin D checked. Because I'm a huge believer that you have to get your vitamin D levels checked, even if you're taking it. You have to get your levels checked because that is the only way that you're going to know if you have optimal levels. You might have sufficient levels, but again, you want those optimal levels between the 100 and 150 nanomoles per liter. So she went and she got her blood test and she called me when she got her results back. She's like, you're not going to believe this. She's like, I'm insufficient. Hmm. And that was taking a thousand IUs a day. Now, a lot of it comes down to how well our body processes, how do we metabolize it, genetics play a role, and are we taking enough of it? So that's why I always say, like, take it regardless but start by getting your blood tested because that'll tell you exactly where you are and where you need to go. So how much should we be taking? So the Vitamin D Society recommends 4,000 IUs a day from all sources, so including the sun, food like salmon, cod liver oil, egg yolks, and fortified beverages and cereal as well as supplements. And you could safely take 1,000 to 2,000 IUs a day. So it's a fat-soluble vitamin, so what I recommend is you want to take it with food so that it helps to absorb it better. Mm-hmm. Now, the other thing I recently learned, too, is the research is pointing to when you take vitamin D, so a vitamin D3, and you know when you're taking it, you want to couple it with vitamin K2 because that'll help you absorb it even better. And vitamin K has so many other amazing benefits as well, yep. but the only caveat is if you're on a blood thinner, then you want to speak to your doctor about taking K2. Yeah, K2, uh, like we've done some shows on it. It helps send the D2 or yeah, the, the D3, D3 yep. to the parts of the body that need it. It helps yeah. it in that way. So like if you need it for your blood vessel walls, for example, or for your bones, the K2 helps you metabolize it. And the MK7 is the stable form that allows you to do that. What are some of the foods, like if people are interested in, in eating foods in addition to supplementing that are a source of vitamin D? So here's the thing with, with vitamin D in food. It's very hard to get a lot of it through food. So okay. it's one of the only 
supplements, and it's actually a hormone, vitamin D, funny enough, but it's one of the only supplements, even though it's called vitamin D, that is really hard to get through food. So egg yolks, for example, salmon, cod liver oil, and a lot of foods are, are fortified. So you'll have fortified yeah. milks, even the non-dairy milks are For fortified, sure. as well as cereal, oatmeal, so you can get it through there. But that's why we recommend taking a vitamin D supplement, because it's, it's hard. you can get it through your food, but you're not getting enough on a regular basis, unless you're eating all of that all the time, right? But Got even it. so, I don't even think you can get enough. Fair enough. All right, other than D2 or 3, or 3, or both, what other vitamins would you recommend for immunity? Okay, so the research is very strong on vitamin C, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to supporting immunity. So the Mayo Clinic recommends up to 2,000 milligrams a day of vitamin C. And no, it's a water-soluble vitamin. So if you take too much, you're actually going to pee it out. Yep. And you can also get vitamin C from your diet. So you can be sure to eat, you know, be sure to eat lots of fruits and veggies. Like so red peppers and oranges and broccoli and Brussels sprouts and strawberries. So those you can get your, your vitamin C in. And I find myself eating a lot of oranges these days. I don't know if you're craving that as well, but during like the last year, I love my oranges, like especially love my oranges. Yep, <laughs> and yep. I'm like, it's probably because of all that vitamin C, right? So like that, that goes through do, my mind. Do you know it's a better for, a source? Of, well, you probably do know this. A better source of vitamin C than oranges is actually peppers. Did you know yeah, that? Yeah, red peppers. Yep. <laughs> okay. I thought I might stump you, but you're actually no, the nutritionist. I so. said the peppers. No, but you know what? Listen, I'm always learning, Jamie, and I love that you're even, you're even telling me that. So you know what? For the sake of this, yes, I didn't know. Thank you for telling me. No problem. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm always here to help, Andrea. Now, the one thing I do want to say about vitamin C, Jamie, is that yeah. if you want to take, if you're going to take it as a supplement, take it throughout the day, so that way you have the maximum benefit. Because it's water-soluble and you're peeing it out, you actually want to keep taking it throughout the day. Excellent. All right. So we've covered C and D. Where would you like to go next? I mean, we can talk about some other vitamins that I think that are important. Sure. Some of the other ones I really like, especially when it comes to immunity, is zinc. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason I like zinc is because it's the gatekeeper of the immune system, and you don't need a lot of it. So anywhere from like 10 to 30 milligrams a day is good. And if you're an older male, so I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to say your age, Jamie, because I know I think you're the same age as me, but uh, if you're probably... Oh, you're in your mid-30s. Exactly. What? 20s? What do you mean? There no, you I'm just go. kidding. <laughs> but if you're, if you're older, I'd say probably in your 40s plus, you'll require a bit more zinc for other health reasons. So you want to speak to your doctor, obviously, about your individual needs. The other thing that I am big on, and you and I have spoken probably incessantly about, is probiotics, because yes. the research on probiotics is incredible, and they're always coming out with new research. We know about the gut-brain connection. We know about the mental health connection. We know about digestion. And also, it's incredible for immunity. And then the other one I want to mention, just because probably 70% of us are deficient in it, is a mineral. It's magnesium. Mm-hmm. And I love First of all, magnesium has hundreds of functions in the body, like hundreds. And you'll be able to tell if you're deficient. For example, I know myself, if I'm deficient in magnesium, my left eye twitches. <laughs> it, it's that incredible because it helps yeah. with muscles, right? It helps to calm the muscle. Right. So it's important for the heart. I mean, it's important for a lot of different things. So the important thing to realize, too, is because we're all much more stressed these days than we have been before, stress actually causes us to deplete magnesium from our body. And when our magnesium is depleted, we're more stressed. So it becomes this vicious cycle. So I'm a big fan of taking magnesium, and I take anywhere from three to 400 milligrams a day. I take it in the morning, and I take it again before bed to help me sleep better. When you're taking magnesium, are you taking it together with the zinc in one product, or are you taking them separately? I'm taking them separately. So I, I'm doing my immunity supplements for me and my family at dinner, and then I'll do my magnesium separately. I take a magnesium bisglycinate, and I'll take that in the morning and then again at night. Because I also take magnesium for different reasons. So I'm taking my magnesium to help calm my body. Mm-hmm. And I'm helping it also to obviously help with all the hundreds of functions it does. But also it really works well to help you sleep. It's kind of like that switch at the end of the day. It just helps to like 
take it down a notch, relax you, right? Yep. So like, let's say you're having sleep issues. One thing you can do is take a bath, throw, you know, one or two drops of lavender oil in it, throw in some Epsom salt, which is magnesium as well. Take a magnesium supplement, you know, 100 to 200 milligrams before bed and just like, you know, you'll feel much more calm. I know some friends who exercise regularly, they're CrossFitters and they swear by zinc and magnesium to help muscle repair as well. It's awesome. So we talked about which supplements would be helpful to battle immunity and make you feel better. But, you know, going to the store, people have choices. And I guess the question becomes, you know, which brand would you focus on? Like, and, and what are you advocating for? There's a lot of great brands out there that do their research that are based in science. I mean, I've been now for the past year and a half really understanding supplements a lot better. I just, I don't even know if I told you, Jamie, I launched a new company called We Are Morphous. .com. It's a, a website that really talks to women in menopause and men too, actually. Mm-hmm. And we're really educating people on how to just take better care of ourselves when we're in perimenopause and menopause. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I've learned about supplement companies is that it really, there are supplement companies that spend a lot of time doing the research and, su- and they formulate because they really have that science down, right? They're formulating for a product to actually work. And one of those companies that I really love is New Reserval. And they're a Canadian company. And the owner, his name is Peter. I, I knew about them for years, but I recently learned out a lot, a lot more about them because I started working with them. And he is all about making sure that products are backed by science and that they really work. So I, I highly recommend, you know, if you're looking for a great product line, go to a health food store because they're exclusively sold through health food stores. And, you know, ask anyone who works at those stores about New Roots Herbal products. And you can also go to their website, which is newrootsherbal.ca. Excellent. So, Andrew, we have a few minutes left. We talked about supplements and, and we talked about, you know, the, the best way to take them. But there's other things that we can do to help with our immunity, right? Oh, my gosh, absolutely. So we talked a little bit off the top about laughter. We talked about, you know, stimulating the parasympathetic nervous system. So really, when we're in a state of stress, stress can actually deplete our immunity. So we really want to make sure, and this is easier said than done, because it is really tough in these times when we're in self-isolation and we're in quarantine and we can't, you know, life has kind of been turned upside down to help manage our stress better. So some tips, and, and I'm right there with all of you, is, some tips that I've been doing is really deep breathing. That has been so crucial for me in terms of really helping to stimulate that parasympathetic nervous system. So what you do is you want to breathe in for four or five and then breathe out for double the amount. So do it with me, Jamie. So breathe in for four seconds and then breathe out for eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And what that does is when you breathe in and then breathe out for double the amount of time, it actually stimulates the vagus nerve. That vagus nerve is the highway that goes from our brain to our gut and our gut to our brain. And we now know that when our brain is happy, our gut is happy. And when our gut is happy, our brain is happy, vice versa. But if it's unhappy, then both are unhappy too, right? So really important that we stimulate that vagus nerve. The other thing you can do is taking walks in nature. It is so incredible so healing so relaxing so if you're if you're not near a forest if you are if you can get there amazing if you're not even like surrounding yourself with plants or going outside and touching a tree anything to do with nature is really helpful at stimulating that parasympathetic nervous system the other thing is diet diet plays a huge role so avoiding things like sugar and alcohol triggers that you know that are going to cause your body to feel more irritated and stressed Stay away from it, as hard as that might be right now. But it's really important because we know what an important role diet plays on our immunity. Are you doing any meditation? So, you know, it's just, I 
love this question. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Akira concept. So it's somebody, it's David Newton and Lisa Borden, and they just they just launched something called the Akira concept, and they talk about something called unmeditation. So for me, when you ask me the word meditation, now it has so many different meanings. Yep. So my meditation is a walking meditation in a forest. So the answer is yes. But I want to be very clear because I think for a lot of people, when you think you hear the word meditation, you think sitting there with your legs crossed and kind of going, um, right? Like yep. we all have that vision in our mind and it's changing. So the Akira concept has taught me that we can still meditate, but it's something called unmeditation. So whatever it is that works for us to help quiet our mind is really the key. So yes, I love it. And, you know, getting out in nature for me has been a savior really throughout this time. How about you? I I believe you do meditate as well, right? I just count to 10 when I'm driving in traffic so that I don't kill somebody. That's, that's, yeah. about, that's about the extent of it, but, but that, yeah, it works for everybody. So yes, no, I do. And, and I'm also, I think getting outside is huge and, and there's a big difference between walking in a city street and, and getting out into nature. So 100%. I could, couldn't agree more. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Will you come again soon? Always. First of all, I love talking to you. And second of all, yes. <laughs> well, there you go. We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss non-meat barbecuing on the tonic. You're a genuine health enthusiast listening to this show today. And Activation Products is your dream come true when it comes to living in a perfectly healthy body. Reclaim your health, cleanse your body, and extend your life. Activation makes all this possible by providing you with the best products for your best health. Activation Products can elevate your whole body's health in ways you had no idea were possible. No matter how old or how young you are, it's their mission to deliver to you the most efficacious health products available in the world today. Treat yourself now and find out what it's like to live in a perfectly healthy body, making every day a joy to be alive. Go to ActivationProducts.com and start your journey on reclaiming your health. The Tonic is brought to you by Purely Natural. Their Liquid Greens Chlorophyll is the only line of soluble, grit-free, and great-tasting greens on the market. Liquid Greens can easily be mixed with your favorite drink to provide a sustained natural boost of energy to help you get through your day. There's unflavored, which is great with orange juice. The mint flavor is cool and refreshing. Dark chocolate has all the health benefits of a salad, but with a great chocolate taste. And for that extra detox boost, try activated charcoal and mint. Enjoy the energy. Enjoy the detox. Enjoy the great taste. Purely natural liquid greens. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Carolyn Tanner-Cohen is the owner and founder of Delicious Dish Cooking School in Toronto. She's been teaching cooking classes for 17 years. She has a science background, which edifies her interest in health and fueling the body with foods that will optimize health. Carolyn teaches people how to meal plan, eat healthy, cook with natural whole foods, and organize their kitchen. She teaches new cooks, seasoned cooks, university students who are living on their own for the first time, nannies, housekeepers, and everyone in between. For more information about Carolyn, you can visit deliciousdish.ca. Welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you, Jamie? I'm doing phenomenal, and we are well into barbecue season, which means I'm out there cooking steak and chicken and fish and shrimp and all sorts of delicious proteins. But you want to discuss cooking other stuff on on the barbecue today, yeah? Yes, because people always say, you know, oh, I'm going to make an easy dinner, I'm going to barbecue. Yep. It is easy because you slap on a piece of chicken or you slap on a steak and most of your meal is done. But what about the other two sides of the plate? Yep. So let's talk about the other two sides of the plate. Why don't we start with vegetables? Okay. And maybe you could focus on vegetables 
as a main as opposed to a side. Okay, yes, yes. And I'm not just talking about this for your vegetarian guests or family members, you know, nor am I talking about a meatless Monday. I'm just really talking about vegetables as a main in place of meat or as a bigger part of your plate than the meat or the chicken or the other animal protein. Okay. So let's first start off with the two stars on the barbecue, or three really. The biggest star being eggplant for me. Okay. okay. Yep. Now, I say that with the weirdest feeling because I hate eggplant. A lot of people do. Yes, but I've gotten over it, and I'll tell you how I got over it. Okay. And this really does have to do with the barbecue as well. So whatever you do to your eggplant, you need to salt the eggplant. So I'm t- you open it up, you slice it up, even if you're doing an eggplant half, and you salt, salt, salt the eggplant, and then walk away for a half an hour and let the eggplant sweat out its texture. And what happens is, is it starts sweating, and you get rid of that sort of spongy texture that eggplant haters hate. Mm-hmm. Okay? So for me, it's not the flavor. Eggplant takes on the flavor of whatever you're cooking. So it wasn't a flavor thing. It was a texture thing. And I only realized that after I really sweated out my eggplant. So do you have to remove the salt after you sweated it out? You actually don't. You blot it off with a paper towel or a kitchen towel. Mm-hmm. And you really press into it. Like, be aggressive. Okay. Okay. Press, press, press like a sponge, and then go ahead and brush it up with oil. Marinate it after you cook it. So if you want to add balsamic or you want to add grilled, if you want to add herbs and all that kind of stuff, do it after because you don't want to re-put the moisture into it. Okay. Okay. So oil it up. Eggplant likes a lot of oil. Oil it up and then grill it. And then once it's grilled, what I like to do is I platter it up with a mixture, this is my favorite way, of lentils mixed with herbs, garlic, olive oil, lemon juice, salt and pepper. Mm-hmm. And even you could even throw in a grain in there, like a quinoa. Like almost like you're making like a little bit of a lentil or quinoa salad and then top off the eggplant. So the eggplant is the base. The eggplant is your chicken. Mm-hmm. Okay? So that's delicious. Are you grilling your eggplant on the barbecue or you're roasting it? No, I'm actually going to, in the barbecue season, I'm going to grill it. I try to avoid my oven in in the summer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'll grill it. So either I'll take an eggplant half, if it's a small eggplant, cut it in half, salt it up, sponge out the salt, oil it up, face down on the grill till it's gorgeous and grill marked, flip it over so the other side gets some love as well, and then platter it up dress it up. Okay. What's next? The other thing I love is cauliflower. Mm -hmm. So you could cut your cauliflower and usually you just cut off the bottom and cut two or three steaks. Mm -hmm. Now you're not going to get steaks from the opposing sides. Mm -hmm. So save those sides for either making into cauliflower rice or roasting in the oven, but you'll get two beautiful steaks out of a cauliflower head. Mm -hmm. And what you could do is you could oil those up and cook on very, very low heat on your barbecue and only at the end shall you raise the heat to get the marks. Flip halfway and then serve that on the plate dressed with herbs and olive oil and maybe a little bit of red wine vinegar or lemon juice. Okay. Beautiful. Is there a third vegetable? I like zucchini, but now we're talking about just side dish. So not for the main course, but there are other proteins that I love as well, such as feta or halloumi on the barbecue. Okay. So if you're going to bake feta, it melts a bit. So what I suggest is to put it into a foil, like a piece of feta, like a hunk of feta in the middle of a foil, drizzled with a good glug of olive oil, top it with some maybe some spicy stuff, like I like harissa, but spicy stuff or a fresh chili, handful of cherry tomatoes or sun-dried tomatoes, 
capers and olives, wrap up that foil, place on a grill and cook for about 10 minutes. And then you open it up and slide it onto your plate and it's fabulous. So what sort of texture are you looking for in the finished product with the feta? It's kind of like crumbly a bit, but melted on the exterior. Okay. Do you cook with Greek or Canadian feta? I like Greek feta. Okay. Find it a little bit creamier. I find Canadian a bit crumbly. Halloumi. Have you ever tried putting halloumi on the grill? I'm just going to go along for the ride with halloumi because I have to say it's not one of my favorites. Do you not like it because of the salt? I just don't like it. Uh, or the texture. I just find the texture I don't love and it's a kind of a blank canvas. I don't okay. think it brings much to the party. That's just okay. my view. I find it a party favor. Okay. All right. <laughs> It's a party planner, too. Okay. Okay. The halloumi. If you find it salty, you could just soak it for about an hour first, the whole block. I cut it into about half-inch strips. Yeah. And I don't soak it, but then you oil it up, and your barbecue is on super hot heat. Yeah. Clean. Make sure your barbecue is really clean so it doesn't stick. You put the halloumi down on it. Give it 30 seconds. Flip it. Same thing. Don't try to peel it off your barbecue until it's caramelized and it almost jumps off the barbecue. Put it onto a plate and squeeze some lemon juice over it or put it onto a salad or you could grill some tomatoes first on your barbecue and then platter it up with the grilled tomatoes, olive oil, lemon juice, and some pepper. No more salt. Okay. I love the texture. It is a spongy texture, though. Yeah. It's just not my bag. There's lots of people that like it, so, you know, to each their own. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. tell- I'm just telling you I'm never going to make it, but that's okay. Okay, fine. Fine. Unless Naomi likes it, you know, I'm really in the mood for halloumi and then she'd be eating it on her own because I'm not even going to eat it. <laughs> okay, perfect. But I do, you know, melt some cheese in the barbecue, but that's usually on a pizza. You ever yeah. make pizza in the barbecue? Oh, yeah. It's like my favorite thing to do in the summer. Okay. So what's your, yeah. what, I'll tell you my way. You, you go first though. How do you okay, do it? So um, if you want, you can make a pizza dough or you could buy a raw dough, like mm-hmm. an actual dough, not a pre-made yeah, yeah. flatbread. Right? Yep. So you buy the dough. The dough must come to room temperature for at least an hour before, okay? Shape it on your counter, and you could put a little bit of flour down if you want. If your dough is fighting with you, let it relax a little bit. And then what I do, there's two things that I do. I either grease the barbecue very well with olive oil or vegetable oil, Mm -hmm. spray it or grease it, and then I put the actual dough right on the grill. Mm -hmm. It puffs up immediately, Mm -hmm. okay? And you can actually grease the dough if you want to. And then you flip it. And as soon as you flip it, you top it with the toppings on the grilled side as the second side is grilling. But as the second side is grilling, you turn the heat way down to buy yourself some cheese melting time. How do you find getting, like, does your pizza lose its shape when transferring it from, let's say, whatever tray you're bringing it out to Mm -hmm. and putting it on the grill. Because I I find that it's really hard to get a nice-looking shape on the grill because it's just so hard to handle. It is very hard to handle. So if you want a great option, Mm -hmm. is I use those Kukina, C-O-O-K-I-N-A, mats. Okay, what's that? They're almost like a silicone baking mat, but they're black. You could buy them like a Canadian tire or online. Mm -hmm. They're inexpensive, so you may want to buy like two or three for the season. I think they're about like 9 or $10. And you could make the pizza, raw pizza, directly on the mat on your counter in your house Mm -hmm. and then put that mat on the barbecue. And there's no concerns with toxins sort of leaching into your pizza? No, 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 no. They're specific for the barbecue. Okay. Yeah. All right. So my way of doing it is what I find is I can get beautiful grill marks 
on the pizza. And it really is kind of cool. Like if you don't have an oven that gets hot enough to make pizza, getting the grill marks from the grill is awesome. My problem is how do you get the toppings to cook evenly and properly when the barbecue sort of opens and closes, even if you're keeping it shut, it's not a perfect oven. So what I do is I pre-grill the pizza on both sides, but I don't cook it all the way through. And then I finish it off in the oven inside. And then in that way, all the toppings, you know, you get your cheese nice and melty and your vegetables nice and cooked and everything inside. Mm -hmm. so, That's an interesting concept. Yeah. I, mean, I don't it, do that at all. It's more steps. It doesn't make things easier. But if you're a pizza maven and you want a good finished product, I would recommend finishing it in the oven. Okay. Interesting. And so like I was saying, I will just close the lid of the barbecue and turn the heat way down. And I find that that works really well. But you were saying how like, the shape is difficult for you. You know, you can't be fussy with the shape. You might get some weird, you know, eight shape or you might get some weird I, S shape. I'm comfortable. Like, I don't need perfect round or perfect square. It's yeah. just, you know, sometimes it just like it gets too thin in spots and then you get holes true. and yeah, and it true. just like it looks kind of like an alien. Like it's yeah. just, like it's not the prettiest. Like if you if no. you care about the aesthetics, it's just really hard to get it right. Yeah. But the taste is always good on the grill. I do recommend exactly. it. Yeah, and it's a fun party favor when people are standing outside and 100%. during these COVID times, everybody just hang out while you're making your pizza outside. And if you don't want to heat up your kitchen with a 500 degree oven, this is yep. a great solution. All right, we have time for one last area. What do you want to talk about? What I want to say is marinate or not marinate. To oh. marinate versus not to marinate. You marinate your grilled vegetables after they're cooked. Yep. Okay. You don't want to pump them up with sogginess and then try to grill them on the barbecue. It won't work. So only oil or not even on the grill for all your vegetable needs. And then when they come off the grill, that's when you could marinate them with, you know, balsamic if you want, capers, herbs, olive oil, whatever you choose, but afterwards. Do you salt on the grill or do you wait till after? I usually wait till after because the salt concentrates on the grill because the vegetable shrivels up. So I usually do everything after except for the uh, olive oil. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show today. You're welcome. We have to take a short break, but we'll be right back on The Tonic. I'd like to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Omega Alpha. This company is 100% Canadian owned. Their team consists of allopathic and naturopathic doctors, nutritionists, researchers, and other scientific professionals, all led by their CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Formulations are created on their 40,000 square foot facility located in Toronto. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit OmegaAlphaInc.com. The Big Carrot is a worker-owned natural food market that's been committed to local, organic, non-GMO, and sustainable food systems since 1983. They're a one-stop shop offering produce, grocery, bulk, body care, and holistic dispensary. The juice and smoothie bars and kitchens serve up hundreds of healthy dishes and drinks daily. Building community is at the core of their vision, which they deliver through education, outreach, and giving. They want everyone to share in the goodness they offer. Visit their website for more information at thebigcarrot.ca. You're listening to The Tonic on Sumer Radio. Heather Lillico is a registered holistic nutritionist and yoga and meditation instructor. She focuses on mental health, having been overwhelmed by anxiety and depression for most of her adult life. 
By incorporating nutrients to nourish your mind and mindfulness techniques to slow you down, Heather knows it's possible to get off the hamster wheel of looping thoughts and enjoy the magic of a clear mind. For more information, you can visit heatherlilico.com or follow her on Instagram at heather underscore L-I-L. Welcome back to the show, Heather. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me back. So I know a lot of people who are really, really, really stressed out. And I thought it would be great today if we sort of dealt with stress from a physiological perspective. Are you with me? I love it. Yes, absolutely. So with stress comes stress on your adrenal glands. And that's what we're going to talk about. Yep. Yes, we're talking all about adrenals today. Okay, so let's start at the very beginning, a very good place to start. Where are the adrenal glands located and what do they do? So the adrenal glands are small triangle-shaped glands that sit on top of the kidney. And they're each about three inches long and you have two of them, one on each kidney. Mm -hmm. And they do things like produce hormones that regulate metabolism, blood pressure, and mainly the body's response to stress, which you mentioned. So specifically, they produce hormones like cortisol and adrenaline. So when your body gets stressed out, they ramp up your heart rate, they increase your blood pressure, they mobilize your energy stores, they basically get you ready to fight a problem or to run from it. Okay. Now we've discussed flight or flight syndrome before. Let's talk about the kinds of things in the modern day that put more stress on our adrenals. So in our modern day world, we have a lot of threats that are sort of more enduring, longer lasting. And if we look at how the system was originally designed, it is more for those that fight or flight response, right? You see a predator, your brain tells you there's a danger, you run from it, you survive. But the types of threats we have now are things like, you know, feeling like you always have to be on, working all the time, achieving more. Our brain is constantly turning with thoughts. And these are the types of women that I work with in my practice, the overachieving perfectionists. And these types of thoughts or actions put stress on the adrenals. It's really just not how our system was designed to deal with being stressed out all the time. And, you know, we're living through a pandemic who hasn't felt anxiety during this. But if you're feeling it quite often, it means that your adrenals are in overdrive. Right. And that's really the distinction. We're talking about the chronic stress that's caused by our modern lifestyle as opposed to like being chased by a bear. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we our body can deal with those short term threats. You know, you see a, a car coming towards you as you step off the curb. Yep. You can react quite quickly. But it's the issue is that, you know, we're tied to our devices. We have emails rolling in late at night. We have tight deadlines to deal with. We have this whole idea of trying to survive a pandemic and what's coming next. There's so much uncertainty right now. And I think that's really stressful for people. So how would you know if your adrenal glands are in overdrive, if there's a problem? Well, some of the symptoms that we would see would be things like fatigue. So just feeling like you just can't deal with it anymore. It's just it's just feeling like too much. You feel so exhausted. Things like brain fog, having a hard time thinking or focusing. And I also often see in practice a lot of digestive issues because there's such a link between stress and the gut. And I know we've spoken about that before, that right. usually anybody who's coming to me with anxiety or, or being stressed out also has some sort of like IBS, bloating, heartburn. Those would be common symptoms as well. And a big one that we see is a phenomenon called tired and wired, which is where at the end of the day, usually what we would see is cortisol, one of your main stress hormones, it would fall towards the end of the day. And that's what helps us feel sleepy. But for people who have dysregulation of their cortisol or, and their adrenals are working in overdrive, 
they get tired and wired. So you feel like you want to sleep, but also you're so jacked up and jittery that you can't. And they, they might be able to get to sleep. And then what we often see is like a 3 a.m. kind of wake up, which is where a cortisol spike happens and you wake up in the middle of the night, like in a panic, like what's going on? What do I need to do right now? Hmm. Yep. I've had those. Not fun. Stressful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's things that we can do, though, to help support our system. And I, and I guess you know, one of the things that we can do is eat properly. So are there foods that can help us and help our adrenals? Of course, yeah. So we're talking about real whole foods is what's going to help the adrenals. And we want to get a good ratio between protein, fat, and carbs here. Keeping your blood sugar stable is one of the best things that you can do for your adrenals. Because when your blood sugar is not stable, your adrenals have to kick on and you have to produce adrenaline to help stabilize it. So we want to have high quality sources of protein. So things like chicken, fish, eggs. I'm a fan of the plant-based sources of protein like lentils, chickpeas, because they also balance the blood sugar well. And you have the bonus there that they come along with fiber, which is great for blood sugar. We also want to focus on whole grains. Whole grains are key to balancing blood sugar. So things like brown rice, bulgur, amaranth, buckwheat, these will help keep you more even keel and then healthy fats as well things like olive oil coconut oil avocado oil nuts and seeds these help keep the blood sugar stable as well and so that gives us a little insight into you know what we can be eating to help but it's also when you eat that matters for adrenal health so having small consistent meals throughout the day can help keep blood sugar stable if somebody is stressed out doesn't have a lot of time they might skip breakfast they might not have time for lunch and then you get to dinner and your blood sugar is going to be all over the place. And it's, that's an added stress on the body. Okay. Are you an advocate of supplements to help uh, smooth things out? I think in this case, it can be helpful. You know, when somebody's under a lot of stress, it means that they're burning through a lot of their different vitamins and minerals. And let's face it, when somebody's stressed, their eating patterns might not be top-notch, right? A lot of yep. us when we're stressed are reaching for the chips, the candy, something like that. And so I think there's a time and place for supplements. Some of the ones that I love to work with would be things like a, a B-complex vitamin, because when you're stressed, you burn through them. And especially vitamin B5, pantothenic acid, we often call it our anti-stress vitamin. So you want to look for a supplement that has that in it. Another one that I love to work with is ashwagandha. This mm-hmm. is an adaptogenic herb. It's been shown in research to reduce cortisol, your main stress hormone, by 30%. So quite an effective one to use. And then one more I love is called maca. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of maca before? I have. Yeah. So great. It comes in a powder typically, and you can, it's really easy to work in. You can add it to smoothies. It kind of has that like multi flavor. And this is a great one for balancing blood sugar, which is going to help us with the adrenals. Are there any foods that you should avoid if you're feeling stressed out? There are some foods to consider removing from your diet or really just think about you know, how they're impacting you. Are they making you feel more anxious or feel more stressed out? One of them being caffeine. And this is kind of like a chicken or the egg thing, right? Because if we feel stressed out, we can't sleep, then we need caffeine to wake us up. And then it's just a cycle that keeps happening. But if you're having caffeine, it's going to activate your adrenals. It's kicking on that adrenaline to come into your body. That's what gives you the rush and the focus. But if you're already having issues feeling stressed out, then caffeine is one that I would limit or avoid as well. Sugary foods, If your blood sugar is out of whack, then we need adrenaline to kick on to fix it as well. So watching you know, the candy, the fried foods as well, that can be one that can disrupt the adrenals, just put more stress on the body or things like artificial sweeteners as well. Somebody might want to consider. And these sorts of foods are 
what I have people remove in the first week of my group program, 30 Days to Calm, and people are shocked at what a difference it makes in terms of their anxiety. Like even just cutting down your coffee, you know, from maybe three cups a day to one cup a day, you would probably see a difference in terms of your mood. What about lifestyle changes? This can be a big one because... I mean, diet is great, you know, and we can do so much with food. But I think if we're talking about stress, which is the main topic here, then we have to talk about lifestyle interventions. I mean, sort of related to food and lifestyle would be to drink more water, just in general. Everybody, I think, could drink more water because when we're dehydrated, it can lead to the body feeling stressed out. But then more broad, sleeping, prioritizing your sleep, getting a really solid sleep routine, that calm, quiet environment with a dim room, maybe your room slightly colder so the temperature is better for sleep, and then working in maybe some sort of task like a mindfulness task, a sleep meditation to help you get to bed, or bringing in some mindfulness during the day. That's a big one as well, is taking some deep breaths throughout the day. That can switch your nervous system over, help relax it, and help sort of shut off that release of adrenaline that happens otherwise. I think, I mean, all this is good advice, but I think we have to sort of get in a mental space where we make these sort of lifestyle choices a priority. Like for me, it was slow in coming, but I prioritize exercise. And so Mm -hmm. I find that as an outlet for stress. But if you're not used to it, how do you change your mindset to allow for these necessary lifestyle changes? Yeah, I mean, this is like a, a we're talking sort of like a cultural shift yeah. first too. That, it's li- it, right? like, yeah, it's a lifelong decision for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, as a society, we have to start prioritizing rest. But as an individual, one thing that you can do is I'll often work with my clients to bring in some mantras or affirmations. And one that I love is you deserve rest, is to repeat that to yourself all day long. You deserve rest. And I did an Instagram post recently that was a video and said, I don't know who needs to hear this, but you deserve to relax. And it got so much traction because people were like, oh, yeah, I do, but I need to be reminded. And this is something that we can remind ourselves all day long, you know, either verbally out loud or repeating to ourselves in our head or putting up a sticky note around your place just to remind yourself, you deserve rest. I think people should understand that just because we are not actually back at our physical workspaces, and or we are, you know, I'll use the word trapped at home because of COVID. That doesn't mean that we're getting rest. Just because you're home doesn't mean you're resting. Exactly. Yeah. People think that, you know, with their device at home, they're feeling like they have to be tied to it more right. and more because they don't want to be seen as, you know, taking a step away from your computer. But it is so restorative to close down the laptop, to take that physical break as much as you can to really reset. Good advice. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Will you come back again soon? Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Jamie. We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss sex and depression on The Tonic. NutriPure is a Canadian company which formulates and manufactures natural health supplements over and above industry standards. Since 1989, it set itself apart by providing a line of products that not only reduce symptoms, but target the causes of specific health conditions. In addition to its offering of superior products, NutriPure has always been there for its clientele with around-the-clock customer service led by health professionals. Talk to their experts on social media about their stress and anxiety product, Relax LT, containing magnesium, L-theanine, Skullcap, Linden, and Chamomile. NutriPure. Your health is their commitment. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. 
Carlyle Jansen is a sex therapist and founder of Good For Her, Toronto's premier sexuality store and workshop center. She's the author of two books, including Sex Yourself, and you can find her educational videos and TED Talk at carlylejansen.com. If you'd like to reach out to her, you can always do so at carlisle at goodforher.com. Welcome back to the show, my friend. How are you? Hello, I'm well, thanks. And yourself? I'm doing well. Um, There's a lot of people out there, for obvious reasons, who are struggling with mental health issues. And, you know, that can manifest itself in depression. And obviously, that's going to impact all sorts of aspects of your life, including your sex life, right? For sure, for sure. And depression is, is a real challenge when it comes to lots of areas of life, but sex is one of them. Well, let's talk a bit about depression and some of the symptomology so that people can understand, you know, get a grounding of where we're going with this. Sure. Yeah. When people are depressed, they often have a sadness that persists for a long period of time. The things that someone may have liked before in life, they lose interest in doing those things, whether they be hobbies or sports or connection with other people. There's often a sense of guilt for how you're feeling, sometimes hopelessness. It can affect our sleep. So some people sleep a lot and some people don't sleep at all. We can be irritable. We can have anxiety. Um, We can have physical symptoms, too, in terms of aches and pains. It's hard to concentrate. Some people tend to gain weight. Some people lose weight, depending on how food impacts you. And, of course, some people get really depressed and, and have suicidal thoughts. So there's lots of impacts on all different areas of our lives. Okay, so assuming somebody has been diagnosed with depression or maybe even they're undiagnosed with depression mm-hmm. and they have a, you know, a lot of these symptoms that are manifesting, what are the consequences with respect to your sex life if, if you're suffering from depression? So it can really vary. One thing that happens is a lot of people end up with low sexual self-esteem, which becomes kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy and it compounds itself. So when you don't feel great about your body, you don't really feel like having sex, you lose some desire, your mind starts to wander, right? You start to think, does my partner really want to be here? Is this going to really work? Does my partner really love me? And when we're thinking about those kinds of things, in particular, not pleasant things, we're not going to enjoy ourselves and we're not going to feel good about the sex that we're having. And we're potentially not going to want our partner's advances either. So, it causes a real problem around just even how we feel about ourselves as a sexual being. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and you know, some people who are depressed can feel alienated or alone. Yeah. For sure. I mean, it, generally we feel very alone in our lives and with our problems. And then also it means that we, we don't necessarily want to connect sexually. What's important for us as human beings is we're social animals. We're programmed to connect. Now, some people want to connect with lots and lots of people, yeah. and some people just want to connect with one or two close friends. Yeah. And then if we have a partner, we want to feel connected to that person. And what's important is that we can reach out to our partner about our struggles. But when we don't feel that we can, we feel even more alone, you know, especially in a relationship when we don't know how to reach out to our partner, we can feel even more alone than if we were living alone. Yeah. And then we also start to then think like, you know, that, you know, we're ruining the relationship, all of the problems are because of me, how come I can't fix this? And so we start blaming ourselves and 
the fear that we have of losing our partner, especially if we can't connect with them, means that we actually sometimes push them away because then they they don't know what's going on, but they know something's going on. Mm -hmm. The other thing is that depression really affects our sex drive for some of the reasons stated above. Mm -hmm. Most people experience a lower sex drive and sometimes the medications that we take actually impact our sex drive and reduce it even further, but helps us feel better overall. So it's about a balance of that or which kind of medications we're taking for depression. But sometimes if, if the pills work, then we can actually increase our sex drive and feel more, more like we want to have sex. Mm-hmm. The other side effects is that sometimes the medications and or the depression itself makes it harder for us to orgasm harder for us to get an erection and that can also further lower our sex drive because we don't want to end up in a situation again where we disappoint ourselves and or a partner is that physiological or is that psychological it's a little bit of both okay it's a little bit of both it's partly physiological and then it's partly what happens we get in our heads and we worry we're not going to get an erection we worry we're not going to orgasm and it just that's preoccupation with what's going on in our heads means we're not feeling what's going on in our bodies and therefore the outcome we're not looking forward to happens yep but then you know there are a small group of people who will actually have a higher sex drive and Part of that is a coping mechanism. Part of that is about keeping busy. And, you know, these are the depressed people that we don't often recognize as depressed. People who seem happy all the time, who show up to work, who have a high sex drive and connect with a lot of people. We don't recognize the depression because it doesn't look like what we normally think of it as. But some people do find alternative coping mechanisms that kind of mask the standard symptoms. So some people will end up having what looks like a higher sex drive, whereas they're actually still depressed. All right. So what can we do if we're suffering from depression? What what are some of the answers? Well, one of the things to do is to try and treat the depression itself. So talking to your medical doctor about medications and seeing if that's helpful. Certainly psychotherapy can be really helpful. There are a lot of great self-help books and programs out there also. So trying to treat the depression will help with your self-esteem, being able to connect with a partner, dealing with some changes that are happening in your body around sex and otherwise. So that's really important. Mm Sometimes when it comes to medications, what works better is to take your medications after you have sex. So if you normally have sex at night, take your medications before you go to sleep. And so that way it doesn't interfere so much with your sexual response. Right. And then there's other things that can help, right? Like Viagra, if you're having challenges with erections, using toys and lubricants. But sometimes it's also just about redefining sex and pleasure, right? When we have this narrow vision of what it used to look like or what we think it's supposed to look like and we can't, it doesn't seem to work for us anymore, sometimes it's about redefining what that looks like and mm-hmm. and talking to your partner about, you know, intercourse doesn't work so much for me anymore or sometimes I have challenges with erections. Is it okay if we make sex look a little bit different like this so that it's not so required? Mm-hmm. And then just really building the intimacy in other areas, right? If you're feeling good about your relationship in general, that will help. So maybe you still like cuddling. Maybe you like going for walks together. Maybe you like even just sitting and reading together while you, you know, hold hands. Like what still feels good is activities with a partner so that you don't lose 
all of that kind of intimacy. Yeah, maintaining the connection so that it's there. And maybe when you're ready to have the sex or if it feels differently, you know, then you still have the basis, the grounding for it, right? Right, because otherwise then it's really, really awkward to start up again when you've been in a relationship where there wasn't even any intimacy for a long period of time. Everything feels awkward. Even just hugging or snuggling can feel awkward. So you want to build the connection in other ways also as much as you feel you're able to. And what are ways that you want to to spend time together, even if it's in, in silence? It is important that you can feel connected even when you're silent together. Yeah. And I think there's things you can do for yourself too, right? Like I find when I feel better about myself, and that's usually because I've been exercising and I feel good yes. about the way I look, Yeah, that can really help, right? Like that, that oh, you, know, sure. you know, builds confidence and you, even the endorphins after exercise can sort of give you that spark. For sure. Exercise is great. And, you know, even even if you're really, you know, the idea, well, we can't go to the gym right now, but yep. even the idea of going for a run or working out in an intense way, like even just going for a walk, yeah. it doesn't have to be really dramatic, but getting out of the house and as it gets, you know, it's nicer outside, making sure that you're taking a bit of sunshine, appreciating the flowers along the way smiling at people, looking after yourself, eating good food. All of those things really, really make a difference for your personal sexual self-esteem and self-esteem overall that make you more interested and desiring to also share with somebody else. We have time for one last question, and that is, what if our partner is perhaps suffering from, from depression? What can we do? This is really challenging. So you want to be patient it might take some time and, and think of it as, you know, if your partner had a stroke or some other kind of physical injury, you would expect that it would take time for things to resolve and to restore your erotic connection. It's really important not to take it personally and not to think that this means that your partner's not attracted to you or that you doesn't enjoy sex with you. It's not about you. And I think it's important to keep some hope both for yourself as well as for your partner, that this is temporary, it will pass, that you can get through this together. And I think what can also be really helpful is to open up about yourself. So if you, especially if your partner is not willing to open up or feels really, really dark about where they're at, talk about your own struggles and share so that they feel like it's okay to open up to you, that, you know, your life isn't perfect and that you're having your own struggles so that they also don't feel responsible for everything that might not be going so well in both of your lives. Fantastic advice. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's always a pleasure. Thanks so much, Jamie. Thanks to all my wonderful guests, Andrea Donsky, Carolyn Tanner-Cohen, Heather Lillico, and Carlisle Jansen. And thank you all for listening to The Tonic. You can listen or download this episode as a podcast with full show notes, contact information for our guests, and links at thetonic.ca. To find out more about the show, you can always follow us at The Tonic Talk Show on Instagram or Facebook. For great articles written by amazing health and wellness writers, be sure to pick up your copy of Tonic Magazine. The May-June issue is available free on racks at over 100 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to every single home subscriber in Toronto, west of Victoria Park. Or you can visit our website at tonictoronto.com. If you're interested in providing feedback or suggesting topics for the show, you can always email me at jamie at tonictoronto.com. 
Next week on the show, we'll be sure to discuss the health and wellness issues that are important to you. Until then, this is Jamie Bosson wishing you a healthy and happy week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.